Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, this shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay L Y. N-Z-Y for 30% off your order. And I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Hello, everyone. Today, I will be talking with Kate Lemire. Kate is a brand strategist turned fitness trainer in Chicago. Her goal is to help people understand the basics of fitness so they can find a lifelong process they love without restriction. She has spent the last decade honing her craft as a trainer, expanding her knowledge, and fine-tuning her voice and articulation. Kate is a Nike Woman Master Trainer, Barry's Chief Instructor and Founding Trainer in Chicago, NCSF Personal Trainer, ACE Certified Behavioral Specialist, and Postpartum Corrective Exercise Specialist. And she does not plan on stopping there. In today's episode, we will discuss the importance of habit formation with relationship to exercise, strength training, protein intake, and how to fit all of this into your current daily routine. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, everyone, we have Kate Lemire on the show today. Welcome, Kate. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I would love for you to just tell us your story of just how you you were a brand strategist and now you're like all involved with fitness training. So I'd love to know like how you went from point A to point B. Yes, I ever since I was young, when people are like, what do you want to do when you get older? I would say I want to make commercials. So random, so weird. And that's just what I loved. So I went to school for advertising and 
that was the path that I was on. When I came to the city, I live in Chicago. I started working at an agency entry level and I was broke as shit. So I was like, I need another job. I was working all the time, making no money, but loving my life. So it wasn't like I was looking for something else, but I wanted to supplement. And so many group exercise classes in college and became really close with the trainers. And they were like, you should consider doing this. And and it was never on my radar because I had a very just like one track mind on the, the agency life. And when I started thinking about, okay, what else can I do to like make a buck to buy shoes or go to the bar, I started teaching spin. And then from there, I started teaching hit classes from there, more strength training. And the more I got into it, the more I craved knowledge, education, and then expanding my book of business. And I had been a part-time trainer in the city of Chicago for like almost a decade. And then Barry's, which is a global brand, came to Chicago. I met with the CEO. He was recruiting me to be a trainer. And I was just like, I'm really not interested in being a full-time in-person trainer. I love brand, strategy, marketing, advertising. And I, I really want to keep that a part of my life. Although in the capacity that it was in, it was like a grind. And I also didn't really want to like work those long hours anymore. And so we created this role of brand strategy, brand marketing for Barry's in addition to being a part-time trainer and opening the flagship Chicago studios. And then the subsequent studios here in the city. And now, six and a half years later, I am a director of brand marketing and then brand marketing strategy. And then I also oversee the rollouts of our global business partners. So we have 83 studios across the world and I'm the liaison across domestic to those global partners. And it's just the perfect position. And what I say to people who are just like looking for that dream job is keep doing what you love and right place, right time, keep your feelers out. There is a way to make your passions work. I think right now we're in a season of life with Instagram influencers. Everyone wants to leave their nine to five. That was not for me. Instead, I wanted to just find a way that I could marry my nine to five, my bread and butter, what I was trained to do with what I love to do. And so just putting myself in that position, taking a risk, it was a huge risk leaving like my cush agency life that had like European health insurance. And oh, <laughs> insurance so is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And then coming to Barry's and my husband were, and I were like, we're going to give it one year. And it was right away, just gangbusters. And I loved it. Yeah, that's me. Now I am still training six times per week at one of our studios downtown. And then I have my corporate job. And then I have a side business, which ebbs and flows a little bit, but I have a self-paced course on the mechanics of strength training, the fundamentals of nutrition, as well as behavior change and lifestyle management, and then some other on-demand, self-paced recorded lectures on similar topics. So just all over the board. And yeah, busy. <laughs> That's what I like it. 
Oh my gosh. I'm like listening to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. That is amazing though. I'm, I love hearing stories like yours where it's, you found it, you found exactly what you wanted to do and it's like the perfect fit for you. And it's just very encouraging to people that might be listening and they're like on the same path of, I don't know, this is what I want to do, but not really. And just seeing it all fall into places. All right. So let's get into the fitness aspect of things. So I would love to talk about in this episode, focusing and zeroing in on strength training and the importance of it. And also briefly talking about protein intake and my obsession with this, <laughs> let me just talk about why, is that I was never, so like for, I don't know, like 15 to 20 years of my life, like right after high school to, I don't know, a few years ago, I was like cardio. And I'm sure you've heard this before where I feel like I'm working out only if I'm doing a hit workout or only if I'm going for a five mile run. When I was in high school, I actually lifted weights a lot because I was on track and field and I threw things like shot put and javelin and all that. So I lifted a lot. And that was the only time in my life where I did lift. And then once I went into college, I would lift here and there. But like my main focus was like running half marathon or doing something outrageously like cardio driven and didn't really focus on the rest. And then once I had kids and all of that, I'm like, oh my God, like, why is my butt falling off? What's going on? Where to go? And just like feeling very weak, like just doing certain things. Like I was cardiovascularly in excellent shape, but I felt weak. You know what I mean? It was just such a weird feeling. And then I'm still very much struggling with the importance of protein intake and like how to get what I need in a day. And I feel like so many women also struggle with that. So that's why I wanted to really focus on that for this episode, because I feel like strength training is so important. And then obviously also like protein intake. And I think it's very hard to do that, especially when you're like juggling kids and work and all of the things. Protein is hard. For me, it's like a hard... like. I have to really think about what the heck I'm going to eat throughout the day. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. So anywho, all that being said, why don't we start off with you just telling us like, what's the most important element of fitness? I think the most important element of fitness, and this is like sharp left, is habit formation. It, it the most important part of a fitness routine does not happen in the kitchen and it does not happen in the gym because all of the actions that are required to bring a fitness or nutritional goal to life are very challenging. So if you don't have systems to bring those actions to life, it's very hard to see it through for a sustainable and the required amount of time. Absolutely. So like, I, and I'm going to just say, I can only work out in the morning. If it doesn't have, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it's not happening. It's just not. And people will be like, oh, you get up at five o'clock in the morning. That's like crazy. Especially if you have kids, like, that's nuts. And I, it's, I've been doing it for so long now. I don't need an alarm. It, I just wake up. It is like how I do my routine. So like forming that habit, like has been crucial to like, just my mental health, my physical health, all the things. But like you said, if you don't start doing it and making it an actual habit, like I, it's like impossible. I have a good friend who's like the complete opposite of me where she's, I love unwinding at the very end of a day at 7 or 8 p.m. by a with a workout. And I'm like, I look at her like she's totally nuts. Like I can't imagine like being exhausted all day after work and then at 8 p.m. when I'm supposed to be lying in bed doing a workout. <laughs> But again, it's like everyone's different. The habit of this makes me feel really, really good. I'm going to do this at this time. 
it's different for everyone and you have to just do what works for you. So if you're somebody who's, I've never been a morning person, please no, don't make me do it. (laughs) You don't have to do the morning. You can do whatever you want. But I will say you can make yourself a morning person if you want to. You just have to, you know, do it and suffer for a little bit, a little bit. And then it it instantly changes. It really does. Your body just gets used to it. Yeah. And I think preference and autonomy has really fallen by the wayside because social media and the content that we consume, we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And if they have a self-perceived life that we desire, then we feel like we have to do it their way. And that could be further than the truth. If you want to work out in the morning, if that what's if that's what works for you, then work out in the morning. If you want to become a morning person, then it's more than just working out in the morning. It's going to bed earlier. It's having your whole routine reconfigured to accommodate an earlier bedtime, an earlier wake up call. And that's why behavior change is so hard because we go to the end instead of the starting point, right? Our phases of change get out of order and then it's a very uphill battle. So I, I, I always say, whatever works for you, that's what you have to run with. Because if you're trying to force something square peg round hole into a schedule or you're biting off more than you can chew, there's a sense of overwhelm that accompanies it. It's not going to work. Life should be as easy as possible, even though society and social media, like we were just talking about when we first opened the call rewards restriction. It rewards suffering. A lot of times we reward or or bad behavior with vanity metrics, with likes, with views, with comments, but it should be easy. It should feel fairly easy to have your actions come together. Not saying that the execution is easy, but it should be fairly simple to make things happen so that the uphill battle doesn't start from the jump. I love that you mentioned that because I feel like it's so easy, like when you're on social media to be like, so and she always gets up in the morning and it really works out for her. And then she has her protein shake and then she does this. And then to just like literally mirror what, oh, I want those results. I'm going to mirror what I see, you know? It's a very natural thing to do, right? As as a human species, that's it makes sense, right? If you're a farmer back in the 1800s and you saw that all the hard work gave you food for your family and all that, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. It's just it's a natural evolutionary thing to copy what you yearn for. It makes a lot of sense, but yeah, it's not going to help you in the long run because it's just not like what you didn't come up with that thought yourself. You're just trying to copy what you see. So just really sitting down and thinking about like how that's going to work for you and your particular lifestyle. A lot of people like to work out after they drop their kids off in the early morning if they don't have to go to work right away or if they're just stay-at-home moms, they like to work between workout like 9 a.m. It's just everything's different for everybody. What do you wish that all women knew specifically about strength training? That it's not going to make you big or bulky or look like a man. And it is not as intimidating as we potentially make it out to be. I am a very, in terms of my thinking, a very black and white, flat affect, this is this, that is that type of person. And when we think about strength training and everything that we think about it. We got to go back to the beginning. In the 80s, the rise of bodybuilding. We had Arnold Schwarzenegger. We had Muscle Beach. We had all of these different points of consumption where we saw these huge men and then subsequently huge women who were competing for titles, right? That's how we get, okay, I don't want to look that big, that huge. And most of the time it's with the help of an enhancement or a stereotype 
steroid or some other intervention. And then what does the marketing side come in and do? It says, oh, you don't want to look like that. Let's get toned. Let's get long. Let's get lean. And all of those buzzwords grew and were born from the rise of bodybuilding to give another market something to tack on to. Right away, we can just discount the buzzwords, right? Because now we know where they came from. And then again, it's all to make money regardless of what you want or what you want to look like. So now that we know that we don't need to worry about getting too big or getting too bulky, then we go into the science behind it of, okay, when you start lifting, what is going to happen? You have to take a look at your body type right now as it is, where you want to go, and then what your goals are. When you start lifting, you can do it just for the intrinsic motivation of feeling bi- feeling amazing, feeling powerful, feeling strong. Maybe you have aesthetic goals as well. When we start on the aesthetic side, lifting, our muscles get damaged. We retain water. There's a, maybe some edema. There's some swelling. We feel puffy. We look kind of puffy. That is an, an inevitable side effect of strength training. People see that right away. Oh no, I'm getting big. I don't want to look this way, even though it's temporary. So then they shy away from it. Additionally, if you're not used to lifting and you start lifting, what happens next? You get fucking hungry. So you, so you're eating more than you have, potentially putting yourself into a caloric surplus. And then what happens? You gain a pound or two, you freak out. You think, okay, no, it's the lifting that's making me this big. It's not the, it's the symptom, right? If you want a specific change, there are actions that you need to take to ladder up for that result. If it's, body recomposition, then you need to strength train. You also need to monitor your caloric intake. Is there one way to do that? No, you can track your macros. You can track calories. You can prioritize protein. You can have appetite regulation, weighing, measuring, eyeballing. There's so many different things that you can do. And I view my job as a content creator and trainer is to give people all of the information and then they can pick and choose what works best for them. When you know the how, the why, and the when, then you feel empowered to make your own decisions. So when it comes to strength training in general, I feel like it can be really overwhelming for somebody that say has never really done strength training within their workout regimen before. There's, okay, they'll frequently say, okay, a pull day, a push day, a leg day. What in your ideal exercise routine what would it look like to you like on a weekly basis? What would you suggest for someone that wants to have this evenly? I know it's going to like vary person to person depending on what they want for their goal, obviously. But in your ideal situation, as far as like just making sure that the person is getting in their cardio just for those cardiovascular benefits and then also strength training to make sure that we're gaining muscle as we're losing muscle as we get older. I think it's like age 30 to 50, you lose like 10% of your muscle. And if you don't strength train, then it just turns to fat naturally. So strength training, what does it look like when you're combining both cardio and strength training within like a weekly routine? Like what would it look like ideally? 
Yeah. Well, as, as we get older, mu- muscle becomes harder to grow, harder to maintain. It's energetically and metabolically expensive. So we spend, our bodies spend less energy on contributing to that muscle growth and we move less, right? So we're conserving more energy as opposed to going to that muscle growth. I would say if there's a client and they come up to me and they're saying, okay, I really want to prioritize my fitness and I want to start strength training. My first question is how many sessions can you fit in and how long can you work out? That then determines if we're doing full body splits, if we're doing upper versus lower versus full body, if you want to have a body part split or a push and a pull day. Everyone needs recovery and rest days. Everyone needs some level of non-exercise activity throughout the week to supplement training. So most people need to work out three to four times to reach a goal. And that is enough. If we're, if you're thinking about someone on Instagram or Kardashians who are always posting like my second workout for the day, like absolutely not. You do not need that. And if you're not giving your body a chance to recover, then you're breaking the cycle of that metabolic and muscular build. Do you need to do cardio? You're essentially doing cardio when you're lifting, if you're lifting heavy enough for a specific rep range, your heart rate will rise. If you're getting in anywhere from 6,000, 8,000, maybe 10,000 steps, my point of view, that's good. You're good. You don't need to be running a mile. You don't need to be on the elliptical or the step mill for hours on end in order to get an aerobic benefit. So if you're looking to achieve a certain goal, then yes, you might have to do some hit or other period of time to supplement, but really three to four times per week, full body workouts or an upper versus lower body split, that's enough. 45, 60 minutes in the gym, you can categorize and formulate a workout to fit into any time frame. Now, okay, so we've talked a little bit about that. What about cardio before strength training, strength training before cardio? I know you mentioned that if you're lifting heavy enough, you don't even need to like hop on the elliptical or the treadmill afterwards, like just live an active lifestyle and go for a walk with your dog or whatever. But if you do want to incorporate just a little bit of cardio with your strength training, what do you typically recommend as far as like do I do cardio beforehand or do I do it after? Yeah, when it comes to concurrent training, and that is the combination of cardio as well as strength training, there is recent research that says what's called the interference effect isn't as great as we thought. So initially it was like, do not do cardio before your strength training because it will take away from your hypertrophic gains, right? Now there's research coming out that's like, Is it that serious? No. Also, are most of us working out to the point where it becomes an issue? I would say not. Most of us are not professional athletes. Most of us are not training to get on a stage. So I always say, what are you prioritizing? Do you want to prioritize your 5K or do you want to prioritize your squat or physique? Whatever you want to prioritize, do that first because that's when you'll have the most energy. When we strength train, I always program the hardest, the biggest, the prioritized lifts first, because that's when we have the most amount of energy. So if you like to do both, whatever you want to improve upon or whatever your goal centers around, that's what I would do first. Now, for those that are listening, I know a lot of busy moms, they're like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) 
Like, oh I don't even have time. I definitely don't have 45 minutes to an hour every day. I don't, um, have, the time. I don't have the energy. Yeah. So if somebody has, I don't know, let's just say 20 minutes a day to do something, what would your suggestion be for them? 20 minutes can be anything from a walk around the block, whether that be with the stroller, with the dog, with the toddler, or hopping on your treadmill at home or your stationary bike or picking five drills and doing 10 reps of each 10 times through, right? You can use what you have and it can be very down and dirty. If you're looking for a specific outcome, your actions have to be more strategic and precise. But if you're just looking to move, whatever you have, you can make work. Supersets, giant sets where you're doing two drills back to back two or three times through is an incredible use of time to get a lot of bang for your buck. And if you're thinking like, oh my God, I'm just like so exhausted, then I would do less and do more with the time that you do spend towards your fitness. I have kids too. I have a four and a half and an 18 month old, a four and a half year old and an 18 month old. And there are days where I'm like, okay, on a Saturday, they are going to nap from one to three, I'm going to the gym. And then when it comes time to put them down and head out the door, I'm like, no, I'm going to rest and I'm going to read my book. And then I think to myself, okay, I'm not super into it right now. I don't want to like force something and just go to go and then have a mediocre session. Can I get my three sessions in at different times and utilize my time a little better? And if the answer is yes, then I do that. If the answer is, oh, next week is really busy, then I think, okay, I'm just going to go to the gym, move to get some inertia, some momentum, some consistency and good habit formation. And maybe I am just walking around doing some machines. Maybe I'm doing my program to a lesser degree, less volume, less intensity. Maybe I'm just hopping on the treadmill, putting a 4% incline on and listening to your podcast, right? Like it's, you can do really anything that you want. And where we get into trouble is I should do this. I should do that. If I'm not working out for an hour and dripping sweat, it's not worth it. And the fact of the matter is something will always be better than nothing. You can look no further than like your savings account for evidence of that. Like even $5 will grow over time. Even a five minute walk outside will build habits that will grow over time and contribute to your quality of life. Yeah, definitely. So if somebody only has 20 minutes a day and they're like, okay, kind of what you were saying, if they were like, okay, I'm going to do high intensity intervals. Like I feel like I get the best bang for my buck. I'm sweating at the end. I'm exhausted. And that's that to me is a good workout. Is there a downside to consistently only doing hit type workouts five days a week, say, let's say? Inherently, no. If you have a goal that requires more strength training, or you have a goal that requires attention to your caloric consumption, and you're only focusing on your HIT training, and you're starting to get frustrated or feel defeated, then it becomes a problem. But if you're objective is just movement, activity, getting your heart rate up and breaking Mm -hmm. a sweat? Absolutely not. And I know we talked briefly about habit forming and working out in the middle of the day, in the morning, at night. Does research say at all that it's better to work out at a specific time of the day, either for cardio or for strength training? No, because it's impossible to say, given our lifestyle, 
right? So if you work out at night and then you're hungry, you want to eat and then you can't sleep, you have a lot of adrenaline, you've got a lot of energy, you just ate food, which requires energy to digest and metabolize. And if that is all keeping you up at night, you're not getting good sleep and then your day has gone to hell the next day, then it becomes a problem, right? So there is, there really isn't like a one size fits all. You can find a study to support really any viewpoint. But at the end of the day, especially for moms or people with demanding jobs, I mean, really whoever you are, like you have to do what you have to do. And if it's taking away from your quality of life in another bucket or season, it's not worth it. Yeah. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, when it comes to strength training, do you think it's better to be lifting free weights like dumbbells or barbell or machines? You go to these gyms and of course they have every machine imaginable. Sometimes you don't even know how to use the darn thing. Or if you just get a little weight rack at home, is that going to be just as sufficient? What do you, I guess this is more of like a personal question. What do you typically recommend? So two parts to this answer. I I saw, speaking of social media, I saw on Instagram someone compare a weight machine and dumbbells to drawing with a stencil or tracing versus going at it freehand, right? So the machine would be tracing, we're drawing with a stencil, and then the free weights, the dumbbells, would be going freehand. And I do, I think that's true. When you have a machine, there's a guide, there's an assist potentially with either a foot pedal or a rack. And when you have dumbbells, really, it's just your body. I would never be like, no, you got to use one over the other, because the most important thing If your goal is to build strength, to build muscle, or have some like aesthetic recomposition, the most important thing is progression. So if you have a weight rack at home that has an 8, 10, and 12-pound dumbbell, after a certain point, your body is going to adapt to those different weight grades. Of course, there are different ways you can manipulate those loads to incur more force or more stimulus on the body. But when you go to the gym, especially if it's prime time, it's busy. So you don't have the luxury of sometimes just walking in and having everything at your disposal. You have to make substitutions sometimes. So I say if you're looking to use the leg extension machine and it's taken and this guy has nowhere to be. He's sitting there. He's on his phone. Three minutes breaks. We don't even know what rep scheme he's doing because it's been 20 minutes. He's still on it. Okay. That drill is working my quads. What else can work my quads? I can use the 
machine. I can use the hack squat. I can take a riser and place my heels on top of it and grab a set of dumbbells and have a heel elevated squat to get my quads, right? It's not the drill itself or the machine itself that's so important. It's the muscle that's being targeted. And there are so many drills that can serve as a means to an end. So if you're at home, you have your equipment, there are ways that you can really go a long way with what you have. If you reach a plateau, you're like, I'm still lifting. I'm doing everything I've always done. I'm adhering to all of my protocols and I was doing great. Change was happening and I was seeing it. It was reflected on all of the tools that I used to monitor. And now it's stopped. Like you continually have to do something new in order for your body to respond. And that's not changing your workouts every single time. It's doing a bicep curl for your first workout, your first drill, and then the next week, are you doing it in a different way to continually put a new stimulus on your body, either going up and load, either taking a eccentric or a lowering phase at a slower tempo. Maybe it's doing more reps. Maybe it's taking less rest. There's so many different ways that you can progress a drill and that's what's most important. Yeah. Yeah. I found that. And I know a lot of people like during COVID just like did away with any type of a gym membership and they're just like, okay, I'm just going to figure this out at home. And of course, some people got Peloton bikes or some people got treadmill. We did end up investing in like just like a small weight rack and we ended up recently getting a barbell squat rack and it's just it's a game changer because you don't you don't really need anything else. You don't need all the fancy. You definitely don't need all the fancy machines at the gym. You don't need any of it to have a good workout at home. And it's it's for people listening that are like, I just don't think I can fit this. This is like not compatible with my life. Having the stuff at home will make you so much more apt to work out than to know that you have to travel somewhere to go work out. It's hard. It's hard to schedule that in because it's okay. I'm driving 15 minutes each way. That's like a half hour that I don't get back. So it can be nice to just have it all at home. But also I understand how intimidating is if you haven't worked out before because you're like, what the hell do I do with all this shit? (laughs) Yeah, it's really, I have a certification in just... And of course, right now that I'm on the spot, I'm blanking on the name, but it's from the Clean Health Institute in Australia. And it's like neurological adaptations and different behaviors, preferences, personality traits, and how you should guide clients based off of who they are as people. And so if you are motivated by routine, activity, a natural habitat versus going somewhere outside of your home, there are different ways that you should structure your training. There are people post-pandemic who will never go to a gym again. There are people who were in the pandemic who were like, I can't work out at home. I need to be at a gym around other people. There are people who are afraid to go to the gym because they're worried that they'll look silly or that people are judging them. Or especially as women, we are so ingrained in a society that tells us who we should be, what we should look like, who and when we should be grateful that people are talking to us or giving us attention. Like, ridiculous. When I go to my gym, I am like, no wonder women don't want to come here. Men are breaking their necks to look at the chick walking by. Everyone is is in each other's business. And it's if you're nervous, wear a hat, pull it down low, get big ass headphones and put them over your ears. Don't make eye contact with anybody. No one's going to come up to you. So it's really, what is exactly your hang up? And then unpack that, right? If you are 
comfortable with the male gaze, maybe the problem as women isn't going to the gym. It's divesting from a culture that has Eurocentric beauty standards. And this is my season of life. I don't care what this person thinks of me because I look a certain way or I'm behaving in a certain way, or I have like body hair where it's not supposed to be like, that. Like I'm feeling empowered to just live my truth right now. And a lot of times I find with my female clients, that's where we have to start. It's not like going to the gym. Like you can actually go to the gym. You're not going to the gym because you have something internal with a mental or emotional trauma that like we got to get to the bottom of and heal before you can move forward. Yeah. Okay. What are your favorite ways to recover after a workout? Say you had two really great days of strength training and a little bit of some cardio, like how should I be recovering after workouts? What's most important? Sleep, (laughs) hydration, good food, sleep. You can stretch, you can do yoga, you can foam roll, really mixed research on efficacy benefits. Are we even doing it right? I don't know. Like a lot of people like look at a foam roller and they sit on it and they like roll back and forth. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I think the most important thing is getting good sleep, staying hydrated and fueling your body to support the activity that you're doing. If we want to get like a little bougie, my favorite way after a workout to unwind is to go into the sauna and do a five minute meditation. I have my AirPods in. It's either breath work or like meditation on like calm or headspace or whatever app I'm using to just let my body and my central nervous system know, okay, threat's over we can go forward being calm and centered in our day. Of course, that means I also have to stay hydrated to support that activity. But with today, we're very stressed. We have a lot on our plates, everyone. Work, family, finances, the economy, whatever. We're very stressed. People will say, oh, workout is my therapy. Maybe. But workout is very working out is very stressful for your body and for your central nervous system. So we're very primitive beings still, even though it's 2023. If we're not taking the time to let our bodies know, okay, we can relax. We don't the our bodies don't know if we're doing a hit workout at berries or if we're getting chased by a bear, right? So at the end, it's okay, threat is over. We are in safe harbor and we can go forth at that like balanced, calm state. Our bodies truly regenerate and recover when we're sleeping or when we're eating. So that's what I say people should prioritize because I'm in fitness. I'm never going to do a warm up. I'm going to walk into the gym and be like, I walked up the stairs. That's fine. I'm never going to. Is that detrimental? Probably, but that's just, I'm not going to do it. So like we we can talk about what we should be doing until we're blue in the face. But as long as I'm getting like good sleep and I know that I'm not like physically hungry or thirsty. Like I feel like I'm doing it right. I'm right there with you. Ain't no warm up happening over here. Like I'm sorry. I'm like I have this amount of time. I'm not wasting it warming up. Who warms up? Literally, literally. <laughs> no. <laughs> not going to. Oh my god, it's so. Fun. I laugh because so. I like. 
I just like I don't warm up. I don't cool down. It's it's a really terrible habit. It's horrible. I, and I'm by no means saying anybody should follow our suit by not warming up or cooling no one down. It's to us. Terrible. Don't listen. But I so I'm trying out this app. It's like the stretch. It's a stretch app. Someone had told me about it, and I was like, oh, because I was like complaining. Like everything's always so tight. No kidding, it's tight, Lindsay. I don't ever stretch. Literally never. It is so terrible. And like I'm working out five days a week, and they're pretty substantial workouts. I don't know what I'm thinking. And so anyways, I download this app. I have five days free. So I'm like, okay, for five days, I'm going to stretch. So today was a rest day. I get up. I stretched for, I kid you not, 50 minutes, five zero, 50 minutes. I did a stretch workout. And at the end, I was like, oh, maybe this is why people stretch. Oh, shit. I think I just unlocked something. I have not literally stretched like my whole life. Like I don't think I've ever, I've done, I don't know, maybe a two minute like if I'm at the end of an orange theory class, they're like, stretch. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's right. all it's ever been. And I'm like, oh, there could be something to this stretching thing. It's like going to the dentist or yoga. You're like, Why haven't I done this sooner? And then you're like, you know. okay, I'll get, I'll get back to that. No. Oh, it's so true. I try to take Pilates here in Chicago. One of my really good friends owns a studio. I try to see her once a week or once every other week. And it's like a dual session of stretching and Pilates. Every month or so, I try to get a massage. I have a trigger point tool or a percussive tool like a Theragun that I try to use. And it's just, there are so many things. If we had infinite amount of time, that would be so wonderful to incorporate. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, just not enough time. There's just yeah. yeah. You should stretch and warm. You should warm up and cool down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> the takeaway, and I get it from the standpoint of some people love yoga. I am just not one of them. Someone says yoga, and I like cringe. Just. I think it's a wonderful. I do. I wish I liked it. I just, I do it. And then I'm like, what did I just do? I don't know. I feel like I wasted an hour. Like I could have done some crazy workout. And I think to myself, like, this is pretty detrimental for my mental health. <laughs> like I want to be able to enjoy things like that. But if I'm dedicating time to working out, I'm like, I want to be working out. And so in my own brain, I'm like, this isn't working out, even though it obviously is. So it's, I think trying to change the mindset, like that's what I'm working on is just no, like, this 50 minute stretch, like this is a workout. This needs to be part of your routine instead of you need to replace one of your crazy high intensity workouts with something that's very low impact and tending to not only your physical health, but your mental health as well. Because you're in these stretches and your mind wanders a little bit. It's great. My mind's not wandering when I'm in the middle of a hit class and like literally cannot breathe. That's not... It's just all part of the process and your expectation has to be in line with reality. If you're going to yoga and you're expecting it to feel the same or be the same or lead to the same result as the hit or the strength training session, that's when you start to get that anxious, that frantic energy of what am I doing? This isn't what I, this isn't where I need to be. And then it's a moot point, right? So if you're like today, I'm using today as a rest day and I'm going to go take a yoga class, then that's when the mood starts to shift. Everything just has to ladder back to one another. And that's when the results come. And that's when your mindset starts to become less frantic, more strategic, and more calm. And then you're able to act out of, I want to say, like planned thought or education, as opposed to reacting to a self-imposed sense of urgency. Like I got to do 
now I got, I like, we all, we've all had those Mondays where we wake up and we're like, oh my God, I just ate so much. I drank all weekend. Now I need to go online, order this tea, download Whole30, do this crazy detox. That's acting frantic and out of a sense of urgency and scarcity, right? If you are, I feel good. I'm calm. I'm in control. I know what I need to do to get back on track, which is just continue doing everything that I need to do. And that your quality of life just becomes so much better. And that's when shit gets easier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's briefly talk about protein. Okay. I think starting off with just like, how the hell do I know how much protein I should be consuming? If you're saying, okay, I want to grow muscle, then the industry standards are one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Oh, Um, Jesus, that's too much. It's so much. So the RDA versus if you're like, okay, I really want to grow muscle, the recommended dietary allowance versus growing muscle for survival versus muscle growth is so completely different. But if you want to work out hard, you have to fuel your body to accommodate that activity. Now, one gram, and actually it's 0.8 to 1.2 grams, just depending on who you are, pound of body weight. That's not your goal weight. That's your, your current weight. And that's a lot. And therefore, you need to plan ahead. And there's a lot of talk on Instagram right now of how much can the body absorb in one sitting. And there is research to support that. There's a lot of research that says the limit does not exist. Whatever you consume, your body will find a way to use. But it's really hard to eat that much protein in a meal, right? Four ounces or six ounces of chicken breast is not even near that amount. So if you're worried about getting over a limit, you really have to try hard. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine how I would get the amount I would need to, they just don't even understand how I would do it. (laughs) Oh yeah. If you're, and if you're vegan or vegetarian, your level of planning is amplified and people most likely have to supplement regardless of your dietary preferences. So if you're thinking, okay, I want to prioritize protein, where do you start? And it's maybe a protein shake. Maybe it's having eggs for breakfast. It is putting a quality protein source in one meal, then two meals, then three meals. And when I say a quality protein source, I'm not talking about like a brand. I'm talking about like when you look at food and the macronutrient makeup or profile of that food item, is it more protein than anything else? People will look at peanut butter and be like, oh, it's protein. Okay, it's protein, but it's a lot more fat than it is protein. So that is not a quality protein source. Oh, damn it. I know. I'm so sorry. To, I'm like, really, I hope we're not losing followers here. But like, when you think about what are my quality sources. It's Greek yogurt. It's egg whites. It's maybe like turkey meat or chicken breast or ground beef or whatever, fish, salmon. Like that is what you're looking for. It's hard because it's not the most, it is very satiating. It's not always satisfying. Like, especially if you're prioritizing a caloric deficit and protein is the macro that you're looking to watch, it's not going to taste super great regardless of seasoning because what is the most satisfying food. It's like fat and carbohydrates. It's like a carb, right? So yeah, you have to plan ahead, but you can start small. You can have a 
protein powder or a pre-made or pre-mixed protein drink that you can buy. Supplements can be really expensive. They don't have to be. Even in a day's economy, I like, feel bad like recommending eggs because like they're so expensive. But like egg whites, even egg whites are pure protein. When you have the egg yolk that is a fat source, it's not inherently bad. It's not inherently good. It just is what it is. You want more protein, you focus on the white. You don't care about the macronutrient profile exactly and you like a fried egg or a scrambled egg, then do both. It's personal. It is prioritizing protein in each meal or snack. Oh, okay. So you need to help me out because I know I'm probably not alone with the people listening. Like it, it really feels like all the stuff you named is great. Awesome. It's just not like I can't, I don't have time to make eggs and salmon and stuff for a snack and for lunch. And what are some quick, what are your, some of your favorite quick and easier ways to get protein in. If I'm super busy in the morning and I've got to grab a snack or after school stuff is crazy and I'm starving, what are you grabbing? I was actually just talking to my best friend about this and she was like, this is like gross because they're all like prepackaged food or processed food. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have any type of food snobbery. I will have frozen vegetables. I will buy canned vegetables. Everything is not about the perimeter of the grocery store or like whole produce. I don't have any hangups or like qualms about that. So I'll have like Greek yogurt with berries and then I'll take a handful of pretzels and crunch them up and put them in there and mix it all up. I need texture. I need crunch. I had COVID a year ago. My taste and smell is still at 15%. So I need texture and I need to have something that's like salty that I can like feel in the back of my mouth. Beef jerky, love it. A... Amy's burrito that is like in the frozen food section or like even like a Jimmy Dean like breakfast sandwich that has the egg white, the sausage patty, slice of cheese. And then there's like some type of bread, whether that be an English muffin or croissant. You put that shit in the microwave for 90 seconds and you have Iconic Protein is a brand that I absolutely love. I love the owner. I love the brand team. I love how it tastes. They have powders. They also have pre-mixed supplements that you can buy. There's whey and then there's a plant-based option for pretty much all of their product. There's two different product lines. So it's just super easy. Yeah. I'm not about to get out a blender and make this smoothie because then what do you have to do next? You have to wash the blender. And I'm right. like, I'm wash that it's just too much. Well, even with the protein powder, I'm like, okay, great. Like I, I can get the protein powder. What the hell am I going to do with it? Yeah, exactly. What am I doing so with it? I get the pre-mixed stuff because I'm like, I am not about to get a blender bottle. I'm not about to do it. By the way. So that's what. And then if I am in a season of life where I am monitoring my intake and I am having macro or caloric goals, then it's just, okay, I have my Instapot or the air fryer. I'm taking the chicken breast. I'm letting it marinate overnight. And then I'm popping it in and I'm doing the least amount of effort for the most amount of reward. If you just are looking to get through the day and optimize health, quality of life, how you feel, do you have to go through extreme measures to get that? Absolutely not. If you have a very specific and pointed goal, then your actions have to have more precision. But like, even then, it's still easy. Even when I am on the most like strictest of cuts, I'm still drinking wine. I'm still having dessert. 
I'm still having two untracked meals per week, right? Like I don't believe that restriction or extreme meal prep or extreme actions have to be taken in order to get to your goals. So really it's just, okay, what do I want to do? What am I willing to do? Am I getting serious about having protein? Okay. Then maybe I'm like buying chicken nuggets to put in my salad and I'm already making the chicken nuggets because it's all my four-year-old will eat. And then maybe I'm just eating them. That's a common one. That's what I do. (laughs) Anyway, right. I have the dino nuggets and I'm putting it in my Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Do you have a favorite like protein? There's 5 million protein bars out there and it's obnoxious. Are there any that you particularly like? Just out of curiosity. I don't love protein bars. I feel like most of them taste very like chemically or like chalky. So I don't love it every now and then if I'm like grasping at straws or something to eat, I'll get like a Quest bar or I don't even mind like a Built bar. Sometimes it can be like, it tastes like a candy bar sometimes, but I would rather have a like pre-made shake over that. And then if a pre-made shake can be anywhere from like 80 to 120 calories, if I'm like, okay, I'm really hungry. I need, and just by knowing my body and my historical behavior, I know I need probably like 300 calories or 350 right now to feel good and not have the shakes or whatever, then maybe I'm grabbing pretzels and hummus, or maybe I'm taking two protein shakes. Like I I would rather do something different than grab a bar. They're super easy. So if you find a bar that you like, go for it and try. People love Quest Bars. People love Lenny and Larry. What else are, what is there? I recently tried bar. I think it's like barbell or something, but from what I understand, they're not like the best choice, but I think they taste delicious. (laughs) But again, it's like literally candy bar. That's what it tastes like to me. Yeah. Where we get into trouble is like thinking these bars are like going to change our life or they're the only thing that we can eat. Like I I think I read this. Don't quote me on this, but I feel like the Whole30 brand had to reevaluate their relationship with RX Bar because people would like only eat RX Bar like all day. And then there was like complaints or like people were like getting sick or whatever. And that's where we get into trouble where we feel like these bars aren't supplementation, but rather or any supplement, powder, whatever. Like it's called a supplement. That's an additive. It's not like the end all be all. And it's not going to give you everything that you need. And if you are a person who is getting quality protein in every meal or a couple of meals throughout the day, like you're fine anymore. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I have two questions for you, but they're not related to what we talked about. So do you think that we were missing anything in what we chatted about? I just, my whole shtick is there is a way to have goal achievement come to fruition. And no matter what your life is like, or who you are, your season or your status financially, economically, where you work, whatever you do, you just have to get super clear on what you want, what you need, and then align yourself with professionals or people who can help and then block out the rest. It's not complicated. It doesn't have to be super hard. Of course, the actions are challenging, but we're very confused. We're very inundated with a lot of different information from influencers, pseudoscientists, and everything that we consume. Go back to basics, and that is what will help you get to where you want to be. Awesome. I love it. Okay. If there was, again, this is not related to what we talked about. If there is one piece of advice that you could give to moms, what would that piece of advice be? Oh God, (laughs) I would say go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that one though. Go to therapy. I don't know anyone 
who couldn't benefit from it. I, my therapist, I don't know if I, if she's got one fan, it's me. If she has no fans, I'm dead. Like I'm so thankful for her. And my life is just so good because of the work that we do. And it's time that's hard to spend, but it's like the best time spent. I really like that you said that. I'm totally in the same boat with you that I think anybody and everybody could benefit just from having somebody to talk with, whether or not you think you need one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it right. just helps. You don't have to be alone. Yeah. You don't have to do anything alone. It just helps. I love it. I love it. Do you do it in person or virtually? I did do it in person. And then over COVID, we did virtual. And then she actually moved from the practice and then moved out of state. So we we do virtual and it's it's so great. I feel I feel really lucky because she was the first therapist that I worked with and like we were a perfect fit. And it's it is just like dating. If you don't like your therapist, like you are not married to them. Like you can go and find another one. And sometimes you got to kiss a couple frogs till you find the one. Mm, true love. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what is part of the drawback is because it's time consuming to find someone and do the research to find the right fit. I don't want to admit that I'm like insecure or that I've got anger issues. Like, I don't want to admit that, but yeah, you, once you do, you're like, Oh, like you start healing that and then yeah. everything else comes and falls into place. Everything's better. Your life, your relationships, your marriage. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Second question is if you could make one meal for your family that everyone would eat, that's relatively quick and easy. What would it be? Okay. Like literally any meal because my kids don't eat a anything. Damn thing. <laughs> like, I, listen, I hear you. Okay. My, one of my favorite meals is I will bake potatoes, like chop them up cubed, bake them for like 45 minutes, like a lot of like salt, pepper, oregano, and then put chicken thighs with the bone in flavor galore on top, cherry tomatoes, let that bake, take it out, put feta cheese all over it, put it back in, pull it out maybe 10, 15 minutes later. It is so delicious. It is so flavorful. My kids don't eat anything besides shit that comes out of a package. My husband does not like the bone in chicken thigh. So we got to do it without the chicken thigh. And then the flavor is not good, but it is so easy. It's so simple. It does. It takes the whole process from start to finish is like a little over an hour, but like it's not active. Well, yeah, you're not like chopping and chopping for an hour. It's like just in the actual oven. It is delicious. And like it's warm. So it's cozy. So you make it, you do the potatoes before you put the chicken on. Yeah. Because the potatoes take 45 minutes and then the chicken thighs take like 25. So you just pop those in for like Mm -hmm. 25 minutes, maybe a half hour, depending on your oven, put the chicken thighs in. There's like lots of seasoning the juices come out and everything gets like real crunchy, crackly. And then like the cheese, like melty, the tomatoes just burst in your mouth. Oh my God. It's so good. And now we're all hungry. I'm the only one who eats it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's like the story of my life. Although my oldest will eat literally any meal I prepare, but I'm like the mom who you don't like dinner. That's fine. There's nothing else for you. Like I will put like a bowl of veggies in the middle. Okay. You don't want dinner. You can have the veggie, but I do not make, I won't do separate. I don't have time to make one dinner. Never mind like making four separate dinner. No, it's not happening. I got it. I'm like doing the one man show in the kitchen where it's okay. You want that? You want peanut butter jelly? You want chicken? Who the hell am I? Yeah, I said I would never do this before I was a mom. And now <laughs> There's I'm a like, lot of things we said we wouldn't do before we came on. Oh, so let's be serious. <laughs> it is hysterical. All right, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us about strength training and protein intake and all the good stuff. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Truly, this is such a, pr- a privilege and a thrill. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. 
All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.